Hey, y'all. Welcome to Relatable Happy Thursday. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. American meat delivered right to your front door. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Okay, we've got a very fascinating episode interview for you today with reporter Natalie Winters. She is from the National Pulse, and we are going to talk about this crazy Hunter Biden laptop story and the recent revelations that have come out, what it has to do with the Chinese Communist Party and its tentacles here in the United States, in the upper rungs of governmental power here, also his connection with Ukraine in biolabs in Ukraine and Barack Obama and the early 2000s. And what in the world? Like my mind was blown during this interview. All of the levels of corruption is just crazy, but it's not going to end with you feeling entirely overwhelmed and disheartened uh, by the corruption in our government. I think it's really important that we know what's going on and that we talk about the corruption that's going on. That is exactly what the powers that be don't want us to do. But it's also just going to remind us why transparency and asking questions and critical thinking and unbiased journalism is so important and why it's so important to support reporters that are trying to ask hard questions and that aren't just you know, cozying up with the people in power. And so that's why I'm talking to this journalist. That's why we're talking about this story. This is not something that we typically talk about because you guys know we typically focus on the culture war type stuff. But man, this really matters. These are the people that are supposed to be leading us. And if they are in bed with the Chinese Communist Party and corrupt billionaires from around the world, then I think that we need to know about it and we need to be talking about it. Before we get into this conversation, I also just want to give an update on what's happening in Ukraine. That's something that we haven't talked about um, in a couple weeks. Now, it really doesn't matter what we think about the foreign policy decisions by President Biden or the suggestions for what our foreign policy position should be among Democrats and Republicans in Washington. There are a lot of different opinions on that. There are a lot of different takes. We have analyzed those different perspectives and we have looked at what I think is a suspect narrative and a suspect transition pushed by the mainstream media from obsessing over COVID and vaccine mandates, forcing people to get vaccinated who don't want to get vaccinated to Ukraine. But all of that said, that doesn't mean that we don't really, really care about the humanitarian crisis that is there. That doesn't mean that we don't care about what is objectively evil that is being perpetrated right now by Vladimir Putin towards civilians. There have been, as of now, according to the UN, 1,563 civilians that have been killed since Russia's invasion. And so there are a lot of questions about what started this. The United States' involvement in the destabilization of this relationship between Ukraine and Russia. And I think that we should ask all of those questions while still making sure that we have a compassionate and soft heart towards the people that are suffering, while also realizing that, yes, our media focuses on this particular suffering because it might help them in some kind of politically expedient way, you know, gin up support for Joe Biden here in the United States. But this is not the only suffering that's happening in the world. There is a lot of suffering that is happening in various parts of the world that our hearts should 
remain soft for these people, no matter what our political opinions are. Um, there are, according to CNN, alleged Russian war crimes in the villages of Buka, Irpin, and Hostomel after Russian forces pulled out of Kiev. And so uh, this is something that is ongoing. The, there is almost now a global response to what's happening between these two countries. And I am hoping, yes, I'm hoping for the well-being and the safety and the protection of the people in Ukraine and also Russian civilians, any of these any of these people who are negatively affected by this. But I can also hope at the same time that America is not pulled into a hot war here. I can also hope that we don't have World War III, that we don't have a nuclear war, because if we don't like civilian casualties in Ukraine, which we shouldn't, we also shouldn't like civilian casualties elsewhere. And that is what would happen if we established a no-fly zone or if America gets involved more heavily with armed troops actually being on the ground. So we need to have a balanced perspective on all of this. Critical thinking and compassion shouldn't be mutually exclusive. That's something that I like to remind us often. And so let us pray for the people in Ukraine. Let us pray for everyone who is being negatively affected, especially the babies. Ukraine is a big hotbed of surrogacy. It's a big hotbed of corruption in general and a lot of corrupt industries, all forms of human trafficking, surrogacy um, being one of them where poor women are kind of coerced and manipulated into getting paid to rent out their wombs for rich strangers abroad. And so there are a lot of babies and a lot of moms who just gave birth to these babies, these surrogate babies who are abandoned there. Let us especially pray for them. Let's do what we can to support and to think of them as this is ongoing. Now, in today's conversation, we're not going to talk about the humanitarian crisis. We're going to talk about the corruption in the United States and specifically the Biden family and how that is tied into Ukraine and even what is going on in Ukraine. Um, But I don't want us to forget that there are real people who are being affected um, by what's going on there and just just remind ourselves that um, even as we're talking about the corruption and asking hard questions that we feel a lot of sympathy for them. All right, before I actually get into the conversation with our new friend, Natalie, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is, of course, Good Ranchers. All right, you guys have seen the huge price increases when it comes to buying meat at the grocery store. No bueno. That's no good. No one wants to pay more for their groceries. In fact, the price of everything is going up Right now, thanks to inflation, thanks to our wonderful policymakers at the top who have enabled and exacerbated the crisis that we are in now. If you want one area of your life that is still affordable, that it still is making your life easier, then you need to just buy your meat from Good Ranchers rather than buying meat at the grocery store. I looked at meat at the grocery store yesterday. There was some um, organic ground beef, $13 a pound. $13? That is insane. The most that I remember it being was maybe $8 or $9. Um, If you're getting like the good organic, like 90% lean kind of ground beef, $13 a pound, guys, is insane. So go ahead and get your meat from Good Ranchers. They've got ground beef. They've got better than organic chicken. They've got pre-marinated chicken, non-pre-marinated chicken. Last night, I had some non-pre-marinated chicken with my chickpea pasta and some vegetables and some pesto and some olive oil, and it was really good. I love me some Good Ranchers. We eat their steaks like every other night. They've got T-bones and ribeyes and all that good stuff. And so definitely go to goodranchers.com slash Allie 
It is delivered right to your front door. Still super affordable. Plus, if you use my promo code, it's even more affordable. Promo code Allie for $30 off and free express shipping. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie today and lock in that price. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. For those who may not know, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. I am an investigative reporter for the National Pulse. I focus primarily on how the Chinese Communist Party infiltrates really all of America, whether that's academia, the mainstream media, uh, the White House, as we're currently seeing right now. But covering that beat uh, kind of allows me, I would say, the the privilege uh, to cover a lot of it very relevant areas that have to do with foreign governments trying to compromise American leaders, American thought leaders, which, as I said, we're seeing on full display right now. Yes. And it allows you to cover a lot of different things also because the CCP has their tentacles in so many areas of our culture and so many areas of the government, as you mentioned. So speaking of the CCP, I want to talk about this Hunter Biden story, the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, we really haven't talked about it in depth on this show. People might remember the New York Post reported on Hunter Biden's laptop and some compromising information and things that were found on there right before the election in 2020. The New York Post account got suspended. We were told over and over again, this story is just Russian disinformation. It's not something we should worry about. Why is Hunter Biden's laptop, though, in the story again? And why does it seem like the same people who said that was a stupid, irrelevant story back in 2020. Why are they saying that it might actually matter now? Sure. Well, the whole Hunter Biden hard drive story is not only a perfect example of really big tech collusion on behalf of Democrats and also mainstream media cover-ups on behalf of, frankly, the Biden family, but it's also, I think, a perfect example of the kind of corruption that we see, or sometimes we don't see, going on every single day in America at the hands of our our ruling elites, epitomized by the likes of Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, and it goes to the other side of the aisle to more of these establishment Republicans. But to kind of go back to square one on this story, because I think that framing is is really important to understand why this this news story has reemerged in the current cycle and why mainstream media outlets are sort of paying attention to it, though I would would argue that the way that they're framing the story has less to do with Joe Biden, who is, of course, a key player in this whole scandal and more to do with putting all of the blame on Hunter. So all the way back in 2011, there's an op-ed that I always love to bring up when I'm talking about the Hunter Biden hard drive that Joe Biden wrote. And it was titled, China's Rise Isn't Our Demise. And I know that this op-ed made headlines again during the 2020 campaign because it was a perfect example of how Joe Biden, as he'd made a lot of incorrect calls on foreign policy, but particularly in the realm of China. But my take on that op-ed wasn't that he was necessarily wrong. It was just that the hour that he was referring to, O-U-R, wasn't the average everyday American. It was American elites like Joe Biden, like Hunter Biden, like his family. I think that's probably a story that your viewers know all too well, that there's this, you know, certain segment of the American population. They tend to be Democrats, of course, some establishment Republicans, too, uh, but who always seem to get lucrative, you know, contracts and and nice business deals. But it Mm -hmm. always seems to be 
the Chinese Communist Party. So when this hard drive got leaked, uh, it was actually originally given to the FBI from a laptop repair shop owner, um, but it made its way into the hands of Rudy Giuliani, who then proceeded to disseminate it uh, to, to certain people who were going through the hard drive, people who had knowledge and expertise of Chinese Communist Party infiltration, the way it works. So the National Pulse, which is the outlet that I work at, we were lucky enough to get our hands on a copy of it. So from there, we started digging in really to emails, text messages, pictures, videos. And I'm sure a lot of the headlines that people have seen have to do with some of the, for lack of a better word, you know, degenerate activities going mm-hmm. on. You've seen the pictures and videos. Um, but as someone who covers, like I said, this foreign collusion, foreign corruption, um, and not the Russian collusion kind that we like to hear about so much from from the Democrats, um, but really Chinese Communist Party collusion. Um, there was just copious amounts of evidence of business deals, of wire transactions on there. So what this hard drive, I think, corroborates best is that Hunter Biden, while his father was vice president, um, even before and even after, was really running around the globe to every corner of the earth, inking deals with some of the most corrupt business leaders, corrupt country leaders, um, really in every sector, all the way from technology and science and pharmaceutical, uh, all the way to energy, power grids, um, all of these areas he had no expertise in, of course. But I think it's also important to understand that a lot of these business deals that we're talking about now, whether it's you know BHR Partners, um, some of these other LLC names that you may have heard of, you know, it's not just the hard drive that that brought these shady business dealings to the forefront. A lot of this was publicly available, albeit a lot of these web pages have been deleted. Um, but Hunter Biden's track record for working with the Chinese Communist Party was out in the open. The mainstream media just didn't really bother to cover it. But this hard drive, I think, was was really the smoking gun because it allowed you to see who his inner circle was and the fact that these wire transfers in very, very large sums worth you know, a heck of a lot more than the average annual salary of an American um, were being wired to, to Hunter Biden's account during the time his father was vice president and other family members, too. So that's kind of the broad overview, but I'd be happy to get into some specifics if you have any questions. That was an amazing broad overview. And so <laughs> I really appreciate that a lot. I'm thinking back to when this story first came out and the New York Post was talking about it. And we were constantly told, as I already mentioned, from the mainstream media, from Biden's campaign, of course, that this is simply uh, Russian disinformation or this is something that we really shouldn't be talking about. It's not relevant. Actually, a writer at The Atlantic, I think her name is Ann Applebaum. She was just asked by a University of Chicago student, a writer there, um, why she didn't think that story was relevant because I think she talked about at the time in 2020 that this wasn't something that she wanted to cover, that it was a form of disinformation. She answered just the other day that the story just isn't interesting to her. It's not interesting to her. Is there, was there, you think, conscious collusion by big tech and by these news outlets that refused to cover it and just kind of silenced and suppressed the story to help Joe Biden to cover up the workings with the CCP? Or do you think it's just your kind of, I don't know, run-of-the-mill sloppy work by these organizations not wanting to cover a story that might paint their candidate in a negative light? Like, how nefarious was the cover-up, do you think? I honestly think that that this was so nefarious to levels that I really think would hard to, hard to be matched yeah. in recent political history, because I think you really had 
an axis, not just of big tech, but also their counterparts in various establishment institutions, whether that be elected officials. But also, I think there was a letter from about 50 former intelligence officials declaring and really decrying this Hunter Biden hard drive as, quote, Russian disinformation. These are people who used to run the CIA, used to run all of these, you know, top premier intelligence agencies in the United States. And, you know, I think there's one way to say, oh, maybe they just, you know, were ignorant. Uh, They didn't they didn't know. Although I will say that people who had copies of the hard drive, uh, my outlet included, there was always an open invitation to anyone from the mainstream media who was saying that the hard drive wasn't real. So unless these people live under a rock, I don't really think that that is a, a plausible defense. But I think that you know, to understand why there was such, such a just massive effort on behalf of, you know, the people like Ann Applebaum, people who kind of come from this establishment world. Um, Might I add, it was, it was, I'm a University of Chicago student as well. Oh, you are? Okay. I didn't realize that. Yes. Yes. So I am very glad to see my, uh, my peers holding Ann Applebaum to account. But that whole event was about disinformation. Uh, Their keynote speaker was Barack Obama. So that tells you a little bit about what that whole event was about. (laughs) But um, I think I think the the kind of bigger story here and this again dovetails with what I cover more broadly. But it is how calculated and orchestrated of an effort the Chinese Communist Party really has weaponized at the hands of their regime and even their their military. They engage in political warfare uh, to really compromise every aspect of American society. And I think they viewed Hunter Biden as an Achilles heel, right? He was the offspring of a very powerful and prominent elected official who had a lot of vices, to say the least. Um, But that whole entire operation Um, It kind of works in tandem with the Chinese Communist Party, knowing that when push comes to shove, the mainstream media and these big tech companies will ultimately cover for them. And we've done a lot of reporting at the National Pulse about how virtually every single mainstream media outlet, all the way from CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, names that I'm sure no one is surprised to hear, for decades had actually been taking trips to China, sponsored by a Chinese Communist Party influence group that was also linked to one of these groups that Hunter Biden was working with. And we so we saw the documents that kind of outlined what exactly they were stipulated to provide in exchange for these trips. And upon returning to the United States, a lot of these journalists um, had to provide, quote, favorable coverage. These are documents that are wow. housed at the Department of Justice, so not Russian disinformation. So I think that the Hunter Biden hard drive story really is a perfect example of the ecosystem that China has created in the United States and what they're able to get away with as a result of it. So why are they, though, covering this now? Why is the Washington Post and the New York Times and Politico? Now, they might not be fully covering it the way that we would want them to, as thoroughly and as honestly as we would want them to, but they are covering it. They are kind of admitting, oh, this is a little problematic. Why not just brush this under the rug if they are concerned about painting Joe Biden and his son in a bad light? Well, I think that anybody who's been watching the White House closely, even though it may be very painful to do that, um, knows that there's a bit of a shade war, I would call it, going on between Mm. Kamala and Joe Biden. Mm. And we had called this back, I think, even even before uh, the 2020 election, uh, right when the hard drive stories were really hitting their peak in terms of, I would say, kind of the, the right wing echo chamber, as much as these stories could break through, despite the bans and, and censorship and shadow banning. Um, but that the contents of these hard drive 
the, the hard drive would ultimately be used to either impeach Joe Biden or to bring about uh, the invoking of the 25th Amendment. So in my opinion, um, I, I think that the mainstream media, um, along with their kind of, you know, think tank DC arm, uh, the people who create their talking points, um, have, have decided that it's time for Joe Biden to go. Um, and I think that they know the most politically expedient way. And frankly, you don't really even have to fabricate that much evidence, right? The, the dealings on the hard drive are pretty damning uh, to Joe Biden's political credibility, legitimacy, and authority. Um, so, so I think that they are using this hard drive now kind of as a leverage point, really as a cudgel against Joe Biden to bring about as scary as it sounds, um, a president Kamala Harris, because nothing, you know, at least domestically, obviously Ukraine has happened, the failure that is Afghanistan happened, but there's no real, I would say change domestically that has precipitated such, such a massive shift for the mainstream media to now be covering Hunter Biden, right? It's not like Hunter Biden did anything else that really put himself in the news cycle. It sort of seemed to be like an organic uh, development. And then suddenly all these, you know, three letter networks were covering the story in lockstep. So whenever you see the mainstream media and likely their fact checkers working in concert, um, to me, that's always a red flag that there's some, you know, either major narrative shift happening or a potential political tide turn uh, that they're waiting to bring about, but they just have to kind of lay the groundwork. Right. Because if it were just completely innocuous motivations, if it was just because they wanted to be honest, they would have reported on this a long time ago. So I think you're right. There's always a reason to question the timing of this kind of thing. Now, they're not reporting on it close enough to the midterms to where it would make a difference in that way. And I think that's probably also strategic. I don't know if this is a CYA move or I'm sure it does have a lot to do with exactly what you're what you're talking about. But I do think people should be thinking critically about that sort of thing. And also, uh, it makes me look at the election. I mean, there's uh, been a lot of questions surrounding the media and big tech's role in the results of the election. But there's been a lot that's happened over the past year that has made me question once again, just how much integrity the election process had. We're not even talking about not even talking about fraud and things like that. Just talking about the collusion between the Chinese Communist Party, between the uh, the people in the highest the highest rungs of power in the United States and the mainstream media and major corporations, big tech all working together to prevent, it seems like, and Time Magazine actually wrote about this at the time, to prevent um, Donald Trump from becoming president. For people who are looking at this, they're listening to this story, and they're like, wow, I cannot believe that the media stopped this, that social media stopped this from coming out right before the election because they were afraid it was going to change the course of the election. People who are worried that that is just going to happen again, that's that's going to keep happening, we can't trust the integrity of our elections just for that reason. I mean, what, what's your what's your message? What's your thought behind that? Do you share that concern? Do you have any optimism that now the media is reporting honestly that we can have reason to believe they'll operate with more integrity in the future? What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's really interesting as someone who followed the 2016 election and the fallout very closely in terms of how various media outlets really spearheaded the you know Russia collusion narrative, which of course 
the kind of key players in that were, of course, media outlets. And then you also had big tech, right? This story that a bunch of Russian bots got a bunch of Americans to vote for Donald Trump. Right. And of course, there was also a lot of reporting, even congressional reports, all the way up to Nancy Pelosi being the lead author on some of these, talking about the vulnerabilities that Americans' election systems had, um, specifically voting machines, um, and even kind of the loopholes and just ability for fraud to occur when it came to mail-in voting. Um, and I think one way to look at all of that reporting was, you know, wow, these crazy Democrats, they're just creating all these conspiracy theories, they're not real. Um, but I think, frankly, that they sort of used all of these accusations as a playbook for what they were going to do in the 2020 election. I think you see that um, with the, the way that big tech colluded on behalf of this Hunter Biden story. I think you see it even more broadly, right, with banning Trump, um, banning you know people who support Trump for for basically no reason at all. So I think it's really interesting that you know they kind of adopted this playbook that they accused Republicans of. It seems 24 seven, 365 days a year. But of course, I think that's the best strategy, right? Accuse your enemies of what you're guilty of, so then you don't look as guilty yourself. But I think that to some extent, um, the Democrats by by doing all that sort of overplayed their hand. Um, and frankly, I think they did all this, right? They exerted all this political capital, all of their influence and leverage with Silicon Valley, the mainstream media networks. And of course, naturally, there is there is an affinity there. Um, but I think once they actually got power, right, we're seeing the country go to shambles, whether it's inflation, whether it's gas prices, whether it's at home, abroad, Afghanistan, China, the South China Sea, and of course, Ukraine. So I think that, you know, during the 2020 campaign, it, it always seemed to be the critique that Democrats didn't really have anything to run on. They were just running on hating Trump. And I think that that's sort of true, because now that you see them in power, it doesn't really seem like they have any initiative or any policies that they're mm -hmm. putting that are actually helping Americans. It has to do more with, you know, crazy, abstract gender, transgender stuff. Right. Um, meanwhile, gas prices are soaring. So I think that to me, the silver lining in all this, if you can even find one, um, is that when the midterms come, um, I think Democrats have, have proved because they, you know, got all these elements of American society, uh, as that Time magazine article shows, to kind of get them a victory when they didn't deserve it. Um, they've showed how incompetent they are. Um, so I, I think that hopefully, uh, God willing, that that will kind of prevail in the midterms and that Americans will see the truth, which, which I think they are. Guys, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I wrote a book about it. You're not enough and that's okay. And specifically, I am talking to you small business owners. You are not enough to handle all of the different moving parts of your business by yourself, especially when it comes to HR stuff. You need to hire someone. You need to hire someone to help you with onboarding, with terminations, with compliance, all that kind of stuff that really can just cause a headache and it can take up the majority of your day if you don't have any help. But you, as a business owner, you don't need to be spending all day doing that. You need to be doing the creative stuff, the producing stuff, the stuff that only you can do. But I understand, you're a small business owner. You don't wanna hire a an HR person because their salaries can cost up to $80,000 a year and maybe you just don't have that cash right now. So you need Bambi. Bambi's HR autopilot automates your core policies, workplace training, and employee feedback. It's a platform built for businesses like yours so you can automate the most important HR practices. And, and this is the part that I really like, you get your own dedicated HR manager. 
an in-house HR manager. As I said, it can cost you a whole lot of money, but with Bambi, your dedicated HR manager starts at just $99 a month. No hidden fees, you can cancel anytime. Bambi has received thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot and their customers are four times less likely to have a claim filed against them. Wow, what relief is that? You run your business, let Bambi run your HR. Go to Bambi.com slash Allie right now for your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E.com slash Allie. That's Bambi.com slash Allie. Tell us about Burisma and Hunter Biden's connection to Ukraine, if you can. Sure. So the the Burisma story, um, there are a lot of foreign names and, you know, dates and, and kind of data points that even for me get a little confusing and, and shady. And frankly, they're, they're hard to pronounce. Yeah. So I think that the, the best way to kind of look at this Burisma story is just that it is one of dozens of examples how Hunter Biden was trading off of his last name and his family connections in a country that had a very rocky uh, political past, present and future um, in an industry that is energy uh, that he had no expertise in. So, you know, ostensibly uh, when he was put placed on the board of Burisma, uh, it was not because of his energy expertise. It was because of his last name. Um, and as a result of that, I, I forget the specific number. I'm inclined to say it was around fifty thousand um, dollars. But he was getting these absurd uh, monthly retainers uh, just to sit on the board and basically do nothing. But from the hard drive, you can see that he wasn't totally doing nothing. Um, some of his associates, individuals who were also around him, there was a lot of emailing back and forth, trying to you know get contracts, make connections, uh, set up meetings with the the leader of Burisma and some of the the kind of other associates. But I think the other really interesting aspect of the Burisma deal, like I said, it's a lot of names, it's, it's a lot of people. And it, it I think it kind of takes away from the, the bigger story, mm. which is that when Joe Biden was vice president, um, Barack Obama would always kind of give him special countries or special areas to go and look after and right. to go and really be the kind of designated point person. You had Iraq, China, Ukraine, those were some of the three, the three main ones. And what's so interesting is that when you look into not just the Hunter Biden hard drive, but also Jim Biden, his brother, where a lot of their, I would say, most lucrative business dealings occurred, it was in those three countries. Uh, you had the, you know, basically half a billion dollar housing contract in Iraq, go to Jim Biden, who had no experience in, frankly, Iraq or building houses. Um, and then China and Ukraine are probably the more you know, prevalent, more newsy stories because they have to do with Hunter. So you've heard more about them. But of course, everyone knows how Hunter Biden, you know, got several wire transfers and was working with a lot of these Chinese Communist Party linked groups. Um, but also, I think Ukraine, again, like I said, one of these areas that Joe Biden was tasked with kind of managing and really assisting getting them weapons to defend themselves against Russia. Again, I think another perfect example of uh, the Democrat strategy of projection, right? They impeached Trump for allegedly right. undermining Ukraine's security, right? That's a great cover. Um, meanwhile, the FBI was in possession of Hunter Biden's hard drive at the time. 
Um, and not just that, but Trump just, was accused of quid pro quo, which it looks like there was a lot of quid pro quo mm-hmm. going on with Chinese billionaires and billionaires from Mexico, billionaires around the world between Hunter Biden and them giving them access. You called Hunter Biden Achilles heel. That's exactly what he is. They saw him mm-hmm. as the weak point, the 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 weak uh, the weak link in the chain um, to get to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden seemed all too willing to kind of go along with that. Of course, Joe Biden said he knew nothing about that and knew nothing about the business dealings. But we know, even from the hard drive, that that is absolutely not true. Joe Biden was, to an extent, involved in the quid pro quo that Hunter Biden was doing. And just to your point, I mean, that's part of what Trump was impeached for, which, yeah, that's woke projection. (laughs) No, it really is. And I think it's a really interesting defense that they're trying to take that Joe Biden wasn't involved because you can see just from the hard drive. And even I think the even if you take the hard drive out of it, the whole idea that a father would not know that his son who was accompanying him on Secret Service protected trips to China just a week before he got business deals with Chinese state linked enterprises is just absurd at face value. And frankly, I think that shows you how dumb the mainstream media complex thinks average Americans are, Mm. that they would just believe that Joe Biden had nothing to do with it. But even if you say you, you run with that narrative, there's so many texts and emails from that hard drive that show not just that the people emailing Hunter Biden, right, these business magnets from Mexico, Ukraine, who knows, really seems to be every country, um, were emailing, in one specific example, Ye Jianming, who was a Chinese military-linked individual. He ran ran what was called CEFC China Energy. Uh, He emailed Hunter Biden um, requesting a meeting with, quote, H and the family. Um, Mm -hmm. He probably wasn't talking about Hunter's, you know, 12-year-old daughters, um, most likely. (laughs) He's probably talking about Joe Biden. Um, But you can also see that there was a very, you know, intimate relationship. There was a story that just broke yesterday um, about how Joe Biden was writing college recommendation letters uh, for Hunter Biden's Chinese business partners. So, you know, I think a lot of people like to focus on the big guy. And I think the mainstream media likes to run with that because it'll probably be a long time before we can actually identify who that is, though. Obviously, we all have our suspicions. I'm sure Joe Biden will never admit it. Um, But that's kind of, I, I think, a a a way to distract from the bigger issue, which is that it's not just that Joe Biden was getting a 10% kickback, you know, on one deal, allegedly, uh, he was involved in, in the whole enterprise. And it wasn't just Hunter Biden, too. You had Joe Biden's brother, and a, a, lot, a bunch of his family members, too, that, you know, they worked in the Obama administration when, when Joe Biden was vice president. Um, actually, interestingly enough, uh, one of his two of his nieces were both assigned to the China desk at Treasury. Um, and one of them actually traveled to China uh, as a very low level staffer with the secretary. Um, and you can see she was involved in a lot of high level meetings. So it really just, I think, kind of begs the question as to why is the Biden family, you know, just so keen on, on having all their family members have such close ties to the Chinese Communist Party? Um, and I think the answer to that is is money. Um, yeah. And it's a, a lot of money. <laughs> yep. Yep. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, as Jesus said. And I think that that is a timeless truth that we certainly see, especially when it is linked to as much power as we are um, as we are seeing it today. There is a report that came out, and I, I you mentioned it, but I just want to talk a little bit more about this. Um, you said... Today, we can exclusively reveal an official connection between the Biden-linked pandemic firm and biological laboratories 
based in Ukraine. And you didn't say that today. That was another day. But I'm reading this report from WorldTribune.com. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So this is one of those stories I'd put on the uh, Burisma level of a lot of names, a lot of players, and frankly, hard to believe because it it is so absurd. Even as someone who's covered this for for a very long time, I was even surprised that this story was indeed true. So to kind of go slowly, there's a company called Metabiota, and this is a pandemic tracking and response firm. So they got a very, very big contract uh, back in, I believe it was 2015, during the Ebola outbreak. Um, And they were tasked with trying to help monitor the spread of Ebola, particularly in the United States, also in Africa, uh, but really to help make analytics and models for American and really Western companies to see how pandemics and global outbreaks would impact their bottom line. Um, So in some ways, they were basically profiting off pandemics. But if you put that kind of shady business model aside, Um, The way that they are connected to Hunter Biden is that an offshoot of Rosemont Capital, um, which was founded all the way back in 2009 by Hunter Biden and actually, believe it or not, climate uh, envoy John Kerry's stepson Mm -hmm. um, called Rosemont Capital. So there was an offshoot called Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners. And this group was investing, you know, millions of dollars into a bunch of, you know, media, tech, biotech even pharma companies, um, some even fun fun fact for that I'm sure your audience would probably get a kick out of. If you've ever played the virtual reality game, I haven't, but I was looking into it. It's called IMVU. It's like a game that little girls play. RSTP, their technology group, was also heavily invested in that, which was sort of bizarre. But they also had some more, (laughs) right, I know. They also had some more nefarious investments, I would say. And one of those was Metabiota. So Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners led the first round of financing Um, for this group, you can see on their website, which has now been deleted, as you would probably suspect, um, that this company, Metabiota, was listed on Hunter Biden's portfolio. Um, So Hunter Biden was a managing director of RSTP, so was John Kerry's stepson. You know, and this is in their own words. You can see it on the website, even though it has been deleted. Um, So what's really interesting about Metabiota, not just that it also, believe it or not, has links to EcoHealth Alliance, the group that was receiving funds from Anthony Fauci to conduct research with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, um, but that Metabiota was actually running a network of at least a few biological laboratories around Ukraine. Um, And this dovetails with reports, I would say probably from a week before we released this story, confirming the existence of these bio labs, again, the bio labs that all the fact checkers, mainstream media, and a bunch of Biden official apparatchiks were saying didn't exist. Um, but these these labs existed. Like I said, there were several facilities. Uh, you can see in deleted portions of Metabiota's website, they listed these, they listed Ukraine on their map as, as where they had the, the facilities. Um, but what's so interesting is that a lot of the research that they were conducting in and around Ukraine, again, right on the border of Russia, a country that we know is you know teeming with corruption and, and bad faith, bad state actors, um, they were working with some of the deadliest pathogens. Um, specifically, you can see Metabiota-funded researchers. So if you follow kind of the money trail, essentially Hunter Biden, RSTP-funded researchers working on studies in Ukraine that had to do with some of the deadliest pathogens that we know, whether it was plague, anthrax. Um, and this, of course, like I said, came on the heels about a week after um, another National Pulse report revealing that the whole reason that these that this network of biological laboratories existed in Ukraine in the first place 
actually went all the way back to 2005 because it was actually, believe it or not, none other than President, then former Senator Barack Obama, who had signed a, a treaty or a memorandum of understanding between the United States and Ukraine to work on some of these deadly pathogens. And if you read the text of, of either the articles describing it or even the bill itself, uh, the pathogens that they're describing working with are described as, quote, especially dangerous pathogens. So as someone who wow. covered the Wuhan Institute of Virology and kind of the story of the origins of COVID-19 very closely, um, I think there are, there are a lot of deja vu moments, right? Mm -hmm. You see these biological facilities that are nowhere near up to par when it comes to safety standards. Um, you know, we don't really know who's working in them. If it's a Hunter Biden funded firm, given his expertise in the area of, you know, technology and, and medical and scientific research, which is, you know, zero, uh, it doesn't really give me that much confidence uh, as to what was going on there. But I think the the broader takeaway from that story you know, isn't all connecting all these crazy arrows and dots. I think it's more you have someone who is the vice president's son plowing millions of dollars into any company that could just turn him a profit. It didn't matter what they were doing. It didn't matter if they were working in a country that was so racked with corruption and such bad faith actors and deadly pathogens, you know, who knows what's going on there. Um, but they could make a profit. And that was their goal. And I think that that's kind of the the sadder part, and I think really reflective and, and really has some deep metaphorical, I think, significance as to what drives the, the American elite. I think Hunter Biden is a perfect example of the mindset that really, I think, has kind of corrupted the minds of so many people at the top of American society. And I think that's why you kind of see, you know, the America that we have today. It's all about profit for the people at the top, and it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what the gas prices are. It doesn't matter for everyday Americans. The world's crazy, y'all. It's crazy. We can't trust the people in charge. We don't know what's going to happen. Old Joe was telling us that we might have food shortages, and you don't want to face the future without knowing if you're going to be able to feed yourself and feed your family. And that is why you need to go ahead and you need to order some food from my Patriot Supply. If you go to my webpage, preparewithali.com, you'll find an incredible offer from America's largest preparedness company, My Patriot Supply. They specialize in long-term emergency food storage. When you go to preparewithali.com, you save $150 on their three-month emergency food kit. Get one for each member of your family. You can just rest assured that you will at least have that in storage and that you guys aren't going to starve after two days without any food. If something terrible, the Lord forbid, happens, you'll get a wide variety of meals that your family will actually like. Go to preparewithally.com. Save $150. Everything is shipped super quickly. Arrives in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to preparewithally.com for that discount. That's preparewithally.com. Once again, um, a form of projection. The very same people who call conservatives fascists and who call the Republican Party fascists are actually perpetrators of the same kind of fascistic policies and behaviors as they say that the right is actually perpetrating. And what I mean by that is the wedding of corporate and government power to impose your will on people. I think people are waking up and have woken up over the past couple of years, but especially when it comes to something like this and realizing just how much power 
you know, Davos and the World Economic Forum have that we live in a much less democratic and free republic than we originally thought. That a lot of what we think is is freedom and democratic processes are almost just kind of like a mirage to keep us satiated and distracted as the people in charge wield their their power and do what they want to do. I mean, we've talked many times about the Great Reset on this podcast, and I think people are waking up to just how corrupt and just how powerful world leaders are and how they really are working against the very people that they say that we're they're working for and fighting on the behalf of. And I know a lot of people can listen to all of this and get very disheartened because it's overwhelming. I mean, what can we as an average but what, what can we do as average people to push back against this corruption, to try to expose this corruption? And I have one point and then one question for you on that. We can look at a country like Hungary, who is infiltrated with all kinds of dark money, specifically from George Soros and left wing groups who call Viktor Orban a, uh, you know, a, a dictator. And I'm not completely privy to all Hungarian politics, but with the re-election of Viktor Orban, I think that we can see um, that it is not set in stone that the people who are infusing dark money, the people at the top, the elites at the World Economic Forum can determine the fate of our countries and the fate of our elections. The people do still have power. Our voices still do matter. Our vote still does matter. Um, And we've seen that in several ways over the past couple of years. So I just don't want people to get disheartened. Yes, the people at the top are very corrupt. Yes, there's a lot of powerful people that want to undermine the interests of the United States. That does not mean that the average person doesn't have power when we speak up. So that's one point I want to make. The question that I want to ask based on that Uh, Congressional Republicans are saying that they are investigating um, Hunter Biden and all of this corruption. Do you think that will lead to anything substantive? Do you think that will produce any kind of positive outcome? And do you think that could possibly lead to more transparency? Well, I think that's a difficult question to answer because my kind of take on that is that the evidence is already out there, right? In the form of, of the hard drive. Frankly, just in the form of public records, right? The fact that Hunter Biden was doing all of these business deals with foreign entities and never registered uh, with the Foreign Agent Registration Act, the same crime that Rudy Giuliani had his apartment raided for uh, in the early morning hours. Um, You know, the same FBI that can't even locate Hunter Biden's laptop, yet they raided incorrectly, might I add, another in another early morning raid, the the house of an Alaskan couple. to find Nancy Pelosi's laptop. These people never even entered the Capitol. So I think when it comes to kind of the double standard and how there always seems to be a lack of accountability uh, for the members of, of America's elite, that's why I have some hesitation because like I said, I think a lot of the evidence is out there. But on the other hand, I mean, the mere fact the mainstream media is actually covering the story and that there is an appetite, you know, to get Joe Biden removed, because frankly, I think they want Kamala Harris. I think it makes for strange bedfellows, right? Congressional Republicans in the mainstream media, um, because they ultimately paradoxically have the same goal, which is, I think, to get Joe Biden out, um, or at least to to expose the corruption. So I'm sort of optimistic in that sense, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath. Um, But I do think that people have have a lot of reason to be optimistic more broadly. Um, You know, I, I think that 
when we were going through the period of opening up and normalizing trade relations with China, the refrain was always, you know, we're going to change China. Um, but I think it's pretty easy to look around and see that the opposite happened, right? It was China that changed us. And I think it's naive to assume that from all the time that people like Joe Biden spent having their private dinners with Xi Jinping, Hunter Biden, and these backroom business deals, um, that, you know, the Chinese Communist Party's way of ruling their model of authoritarianism, which I think the kind of Western version of that is, of course, executed by the World Economic Forum, who also works in tandem with the Chinese Communist Party. Um, but it also rubbed off on them, right? I think Joe Biden and Hunter Biden at the end of the day are very envious of the power that the Chinese Communist Party has over the people they rule. Um, but I think why we're lucky and, and why, you know, it's really more important than ever to be speaking out about these stories and sharing them and informing yourself is because we still have freedom of speech, which is something that people in China don't, right? We still ostensibly can talk about these things in our day-to-day lives. Yes, cancel culture makes it hard. Um, but I think it's our duty to keep talking about these stories and sharing it. And you know what? If if this congressional investigation doesn't go anywhere, right, if these House Republicans kind of wimp out, which they've been known to do, call them up and tell them, you know, keep investigating Hunter Biden. Um, because I think Hunter Biden is, is, like I said, not just an Achilles heel, but I think um, kind of an access in between a lot of these ugly, ugly players who've really taken the the I would say destiny of America and just American society as a whole in a very different kind of statist corporatist direction where you see this fusion of big tech and all mm-hmm. these just establishment entities like Ann Applebaum. So I think we really need to keep pushing on the Hunter Biden story and, and don't be afraid, even if you get banned, shadow banned, you know, whatever type of ban they're, they're executing these days, just to keep sharing the stories and talking about it because they want you to stop doing that. They want you to not have hope that we will be able to get past their lies. But, you know, the truth, I do think, even amidst the censorship and the shadow bans, um, does prevail. Yes, absolutely. And actually, the censorship of the New York Post story in the beginning has made the story now, I think, much more amplified than it would have been without the original censorship because people are saying, oh, now you're reporting on it. It really was just a timing thing. It wasn't that it was Russian disinformation. It wasn't that it wasn't relevant. It really was that you just didn't want to put the story out before the election. So I actually think even though I think that censorship was egregious, it's actually allowed the story now to be a bigger story than it would have been otherwise. And so you never know. You never know. And that's why it is important, as you said, to consistently tell the truth. Thank you for the role that you play in that and for your very smart and, and brave and clear reporting. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and explain all this today. I know people are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. 